When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. This is Lakers Talk. You already got one championship with LeBron. You're in an incredible window to potentially get another one. Your window is now. And I'm not saying there won't be challenges down the road, but yeah, you got to worry about down the road, down the road. So to answer the question of how important is number 18, it's everything because you actually have a shot at it. Lakers Talk continues right now. Here's Alan Sliwa. All right, first hour is in the books. If you miss any part of the show, you can uh, search on the ESPN app or on iTunes to search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. You get the full two hours. Uh, Funches, let's get started here with Team USA winning the gold at the 2020. It's still 2020. We're not calling it 2020. It was called the 2020 Tokyo Games. Yeah, I was confused the whole time. Yeah, I mean, they had everything up. It said 2020 still. I actually got asked about it and I had to explain that it got pushed from last year. That's why they still okay, say so they, they just went with the same title. Okay, so here's my question for you. Um, did you watch the... Were, were you watching a lot of these USA games? I watched... One, I, number two, did you watch the championship? I watched... Um, <laughs> I don't even want to get on it about Peacock, man, because they did not even air any of... Or regular NBC did not air any of the, the, the basketball games. You, right, had you, had to to go the you had to go to Peacock yep, for yep. and search for it and stuff like that, yeah. which you know was frustrating to me. But then again, like I did see some of it, um, a lot, some of the preliminary games. But I watched everything of the medal games, and okay. um, yeah, Team USA just looks. Kevin Durant looks like the best player in the world. Okay, Sorry. so he, he, this is what I take away. Um, I didn't watch every game either. I did watch the finals game. Um, I watched the gold medal game. And what's great about that was a 7.30 tip-off on a Friday. Yeah, I think you yeah. Had, we were doing Travis and Sliwa's show, and I'm like, what? It's coming up tonight at yeah. 7.30? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I watched that entire game. Um, it's kind of what I took from it. KD is literally in a different world. Like, I, I thought Kevin Durant didn't even – the players from USA didn't deserve to be on the same floor with Kevin Durant. And you know what, Team USA – Let had- alone the other <laughs> other players in the in the world – I thought, like, I'm like, why is Bam Adebayo and, and Draymond Green on the same team as Kevin and Durant? It, he and literally is that ridiculous. And Team USA had Damian Lillard on it, and Damian Lillard, yeah. you know, they're like all stars, you know, the top players in the NBA, but Damian Lillard next to Kevin Durant looked like a JV player next to an NBA player. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. And what this kind of brings up is a conversation about I saw this, the greatest Team USA player ever. So when that conversation comes up, what what player comes to your mind? Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo okay, was, was, was he that ridiculous in the uh, in the games? Well, Carmelo, I can't really remember. He was literally probably the best player on the 08 team, the 12 team, and a 16 team, other than Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Um, he made big shots. He I think he had like one game where he had like seven or eight three pointers, and mm-hmm. it was just easy for him because. You know, the whole team is, you know, guarding LeBron, they're guarding Kobe, they're guarding KD, and then you leave Carmelo open. There's Carmelo, there's just, Carmelo sitting, open yeah, just yeah. sitting there at the top of the key and hitting pick this your three, poison. Pick your poison, yep. basically. Pick your poison. Okay, so I, I, I'll say this, you know, to try to kind of label who's the greatest USA basketball, USA player ever. Um, I know that KD is kind of breaking records just every time. Every game that he played, he was breaking some type of record. 
I, I don't know who the greatest is because I, I can't you know go back and really remember every single game or anything along those lines, but I could just say in that finals game against France, when I say that the dude, USA players didn't belong on the same court with him, I, I'm and I know this. I know we all know this because we, we put KD always. It's Is it LeBron or AD? That's been the conversation over the last five, seven years or whatever the case is. But I, I just find him in such a in such a different class. And, and when we come back this next year, I can't wait because Brooklyn's a team to beat in the East. Lakers are the team to beat in the West. Can we get some Lakers nets at some point and this upcoming one season more, other than a preseason game? Yeah, one more note about Me- uh, Melo, my argument over Melo over KD. Melo has one more medal than KD. KD has three gold medals. Melo has three gold medals and a bronze. Okay, and a bronze. Uh, bronze count? Does that one, does that one <laughs> it's count? It's a medal. It's a medal, Alan. Okay, Clinton was telling me, Clint, Clint Yates uh, filled in this morning for Travis, and Clinton was telling me, he said that he was trying to make a case here, and I thought it was actually interesting. In the beginning, I was like, I don't know where he's going with this, but he, he was trying to make a case. That, what are we doing with USA basketball? Like, what's the goal here? Is the goal to send, you know, not all of your best players, some of your best players, and really always just win the gold, but what did you really accomplish because you already know that you're the best country when it comes to basketball? Or he said something to the effect of, like, why don't we start sending our younger players and let them kind of – they're going to lose, by the way. They're not going to win yeah, they're gold. Gonna we, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. There's going to be other countries that just more talent. They're, they're outsmart you. They'll, they'll – you know, the experience or whatever the case is – but I thought it was interesting what he was trying to say. He was trying to say is, what's the goal with USA basketball? We already know we're the best country in the world. Are you trying to develop younger players? Are you going to give opportunities for some of the younger players? Like Trey Young didn't get a chance to, you know, be a part of USA basketball, and he wanted to be. I don't. What do you think? Well, is there te- something well, to do there? Well, technically, they're supposed to be in sort of like a program where they start with the USA Select Team. You're invited to be on a USA Select Team, and then you sort of work your way up from the Select Team to the main team. And a lot of young players do that, but um, lately they've just been asking guys, you know, left and right, to just sure. play on a main team. And why and, not be on a select team? And it's not the best the NBA will send out. Yeah. I mean, obviously Steph's not there, and James Harden wasn't. They there. They all said no. And, uh, Anthony Davis wasn't there, and there, there's other players that you know. If you really want the greatest team assembled from USA Basketball. Uh, you can probably put together a roster that would have beat the roster that just won the gold. I mean, that's how that's how deep. It's, the NBA is. Allen, it's going to take team for Team USA to lose like in a in a heartbreaker, basically, for the best of the best to commit for the Olympic Games, like sort of like the Dream Team did. You know, we yeah, lost it, in '88, and yep. then they said, you know, You're forget right. it. We're gonna it we're gonna, gonna commit that. to '92. We're gonna mm-hmm. bring the best players ever, and then we're just gonna win, beat teams by fifty. Because the story around USA basketball is not whether you won a gold. The only story is, did you not win the gold? Exactly. So even you know what USA just accomplished, it's obviously not that big a deal. Okay, we got another NBA story here. You see Luca's uh, contract. Why don't you for those who for those who uh, want to know what it's like to be a 22 year old making some pretty decent change? What, what's he making over there? Uh, he just agreed to a five-year, two hundred and seven million dollar extension. Supermax. Supermax extension. Okay, here's my only problem with this deal. I know you're like, Alan, what the hell are you talking about? What's wrong with uh, you, man? Two hundred million dollars. Let, let, let me tell you my promise. My problem is, and I don't think I think Mark Cuban wants to win enough to where this shouldn't be an issue in Dallas. I like when franchise players hold franchises accountable. I like when franchise players tell the front office, hey, 
Damian Lillard's trying to do it right now, the Portland Trailblazers. It's too late. You should have done this before you signed that, you know, that last contract that you had. You should have been pre- putting pressure on the Portland Trailblazers a couple years ago. Funch, this is what you got to do with certain franchises. If you're that good of a player, and Luka's on a different class. Luka could be the best player this upcoming year, and it wouldn't be a surprise to any of us. That's how good he is as a 22-year-old. I feel like you lose a little leverage when you sign these long-term deals, but here's the reality. Luka's in a different in a different perspective. Luka's not playing with the Sacramento Kings or a different franchise. I think Mark Cuban wants to win as bad as Luka does, so I, I think both parties can win even though he signed the Supermax. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Alan. Like, he's not he's not playing in Sacramento or Orlando. He's playing in Dallas, and yeah. he, they always show a commitment to win. You know, yep. If they're not in the thick of things, you know, that one year they weren't in the thick of things, they got Luka has a consolation prize. So they're always going to make the playoffs, and they're, if they have a really, really good team, Mark Cuban's going to make sure that he's going to surround his superstar with the best players. I'm going to use the last two years as an example. Luke had to go up against the Clippers. They overachieved. They took the Clippers to seven games this past year when Kawhi was still healthy. That's great. But here's the reality. Nobody's expecting them to win that series, and unless he gets more talent around him, how's he going to get to the second round? How's he going to get to the third round? Just imagine if he had like a a second player just as half as good as he is. You know, they would have beat the Clippers. Yeah, you know, there was a quick, brief conversation during free agency that maybe DeMar DeRozan could end up with a Dallas Mavericks. That would have been a great backcourt. Okay, that would have now all of a sudden put you in a position where, okay, you feel like, hey, you can win a couple rounds in the playoffs, but we'll have to see how things play out there. Um, The NBA is investigating tampering in Chicago with Alonzo Ball deal and in Miami with Kyle Lowry. So let me uh, just kind of get into this real quick, Funches. I don't know where you stand on the tampering thing, but I do know that last week on Monday when 301 Pacific time hit, Shams put out a tweet saying Lonzo just agreed to a deal with the Chicago Bulls. It wasn't too long after that. Kyle Lowry, you know, the sign and trade, all this other it stuff. It was kind of weird that there were the first two signings, basically. Well, it's not even just that. It's what are we pretending? We, we know these conversations are being had. I, what I want to know is, does the NBA really care or are they trying to kind of bark without an actual bite? And I don't have the answer to that. But if they do care and tampering is a genuine issue, bro, you can make this stop. I mean, fine, um, take away draft. I mean, you can make this stop if you want to. So I get kind of confused when I say the NBA is, a, you know, they're obviously looking into this. They're looking, investigating tampering. I guess we're going to find out. If they find that teams were in touch with each other illegally, which everybody expects that to obviously be the case, do they really, you know, are they going to actually do something or are they not? Personally, for me, I don't care. I mean, as long as every team is kind of playing along the same rules, I don't think it really matters. But I just don't really know what the NBA, when they say they're investigating tampering, either you're going to, you know, you're going to crack down on it or you're not. Do one or the other. And you Quit kind fi- of beating you around the edges. you got to figure tampering everywhere. Players talk, GMs talk, uh, owners talk. Everyone talks in the NBA. I mean, and right now, the summer league is going on. People are talking there, and they're probably breaking all kinds of rules or whatever. But we don't know anything. We don't know anything about that, right? Let me tell you something. If you were an NBA executive, I would. I'd come after you for tampering. I could already see you making calls, texting everybody. Saying, of course, man. I'm trying to get the, be- the best team. team in the world. I know you're on this team, but come on over to this side. I could already see you doing that. All right, that's our uh, top NBA stories right there. When we come back. We're going to invite in Jovan Buha, who covers the Lakers for the Athletic. Continue this Laker conversation. By the way, just a reminder, if you're out there driving around uh, around and you want to be a part part of the show, 8.30, 
We'll take some more calls, so 877-710-ESPN if you want to call into the show. Yovan Bua coming up next, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, I want to welcome in Jovan Buha, covers the Lakers for The Athletic, frequent guest of Lakers Talk. Jovan, what's going on, man? Thank you for taking the time. How's it going? How you doing? It's going, it's going pretty good. We got the, uh, you know, dust has kind of settled. A little bit earlier in the show, I was talking about just kind of looking at all the moves the Lakers obviously have made, whether it was the trade for Russell Westbrook or it was, you know, these additions that they got with uh, the veterans minimum. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do, do you think too much is being made about the Lakers – uh, roster as far as uh, age goes. And I, I start off with that because I was making the case that, yes, Carmelo is 37, Dwight is 36, um, Trevor Reese is 36, Marcus Saul is 36. A, a lot of these players, there's a, f- a few vets on this team that are you know obviously well past their prime, but those four players, as an example, will be used very sparingly. It's not like you're going to ask 25, 30 minutes from any of those guys. Is too much being made about the Lakers roster and their age, or do you think it's a fair argument? I, I think too much is being made. I think that, you know, we'll, we also look at all these guys are on one-year contracts. So it, it's not as if they sign these guys to, you know, two, three, four-year deals and we're, we're projecting out three years from now, what this group is going to look like. We've seen this now, you know, in the Rob Palinka era, this group has, you know, basically revamped every single season around LeBron 80, right? Like there's very little holdover season to season. Uh, You know, I I guess maybe the 2021, that there was some carryover from 2020, but, but even so like, you know, a couple new starters, a couple new key bench guys. And then obviously this group is much different than last season. So I think I'm looking at this, group as far as you know how do they fit next season and next season only i would be surprised if more than half this rotation is back next year right because that's just how uh the lakers have been and they're they're aggressive they're aggressive in revamping their rotation and and kind of looking at what worked and what didn't from the previous season and then going out and making those tweaks and we know la is you know arguably the capital of basketball in this country and, and, you know, the, the most attractive free agent destination. So they can get guys to take discounts. And I, I think a lot of these guys, you know, pe- people are talking about them um, sort of what they can do. But when you look at it from, from the perspective of these are veteran minimum contracts, like, and, and a lot of these guys took discounts to join the Lakers and then passed up situations where they could have had more money, more years, played more, maybe had a starting role. And they chose to come to the Lakers and sacrifice all of that in pursuit of winning a championship, playing on this team with LeBron, AD, and Russ, and, and playing in LA and, and for the Lakers. So uh, I, I think you know too much is being made about it. And again, to your point, I, I think there's a lot of depth on this team. Where yes, there's probably going to be a couple of these older guys that don't pan out and maybe end up on the outside of the rotation. But I think a couple of them for sure will. And 
Um, I really think that this group has so much flexibility that it's just going to be the guys that are playing well are going to play, and then the guys that aren't aren't. And it's going to be kind of similar to last season where we, we maybe see a, a different, you know, maybe a solid seven to eight base rotation, and then the, the last couple spots are rotating night to night. So um, I think much is being made about it. it it's uh, it, it's an old narrative to, to kind of <laughs> uh, play up the, the old thing. Like, I, I don't think it's a big deal. And again, it's a one-year thing. I, I'm not looking at this beyond next season. And um, I, I think for next season, it's fine. Jovan Bua covers the uh, Lakers for The Athletic, does a fantastic job uh, with The Athletic, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Jovan, of the, the, the moves the Lakers made, let, let's not count Russell Westbrook. I want to talk about Westbrook separately. Um, between <clears> the guys that the Lakers signed, is there one you're most excited about that you think is going to be, you know, fantastic? Is there one player that stands out from the pack of the Lakers uh, players Lakers brought in? I'm really interested in Kent Bazemore because I think, you know, looking at, I, I recently wrote about the depth chart and the projected rotation. And I think we know the three stars are starting and they're going to start at point guard, small forward and power forward. Uh, you know, as I reported uh, about a week and a half ago, Anthony Davis is expected to play more center next season, but I would be surprised if he's starting at center. We, we know he does not like to start at center. Uh, you know, maybe in the come postseason, if they need in a certain game or a certain series, he'll do it. But I would be very surprised if he's starting at center on opening night. So with the two forward slots taken up, with the point guard slot taken up, you look at that center spot and that shooting guard spot as those are the spots you got to fill in the starting lineup, and those are the spots you really got to fill in the rotation because that's where the available minutes are. And looking at what you want to put around the, the big three, I think it is that kind of Danny Green, KCP role of a 3-and-D guy who can defend multiple positions and then offensively can move without the ball, can space the floor, and, and just kind of, you know, we know teams are going to pack the paint against Russ. We, we know just with LeBron, AD, and Russ, they want to get to the rim. They want to get to the free throw line. So the, the way to kind of counteract that is you need a shooter out there. So I think that the most interesting question for me right now is I expect Marcus soul to probably get his starting spot back and be kind of a placeholder for 12 to 15 minutes a night, but who is starting at shooting guard? Cause I, I think you can make a case for Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, THT. Like there's so many guys there. So for me, kind of who pops at that shooting guard spot, the, the guy I have my eye on is Kent Bazemore. I think that he, sort of threads the needle between offense and defense best. He shot a career-high 41% on threes last year in Golden State. So I'm looking at Kent Bazemore as probably the early favorite, but if he can't replicate his shooting, and if you look at his career numbers, he's a, he's a guy that yo-yos year to year, you know, 34% one year, 37% another year, back down to 33%. He, he's just up and down. So if they can't get some stable shooting out of him, I look at maybe Wayne Ellington as a guy who's also coming off a career shooting year in Detroit at 42%. Uh, as someone that just might have to provide shooting for this group. Because I think if you're looking at one weakness with this group, potentially it is the three-point shooting and just finding that proper spacing around their stars. Um, so to, to me, it's a starting shooting guard spot, but particularly Kent Bazemore is someone I'm excited to see you know, what, what he's capable of because he's on the younger side of, of some of these old guys. And uh, I think he, he has a chance to maybe have a, a bigger role than expected. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting question. I haven't even thought that far about oh, you know who's going <laughs> to grab that starting spot. But you, you're right, right? That's the the shooting guard position will be great competition for it. You know, we got a chance to hear from Kent Bazemore a few hours ago. 
Um, you know, he obviously is – I love a lot of the things that he said. I love the way he described what his role is going to be on this team. But you can make a case for a few guys, and, you know, that's why you're going to have training camp, and that's why you're going to figure out who's going to be the, uh, the best fit. Um, Jovan Buha from The Athletic joining Lakers Talk. Jovan, I, I, I said I wanted to talk about Russ, Russell Westbrook separately. I, I did – earlier in the show, I, I talked about how I thought he is – just so incredibly underappreciated in um, in the NBA, one of the more underappreciated players. And I, I listed my reasons why, and maybe you think completely different because maybe you, does, you th- do think he gets the proper love or whatever the case is. But more importantly than that, how, how do you think Russell Westbrook will be um, you know, obviously a big piece for the Lakers. How do you think he'll fit in with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? How do you think he can complement what those two bring to the table? Just your thoughts on Russ with the Lake Show. Yeah, I mean, I think to, to me, Russell Westbrook is going to make or break the Lakers season. I think that he, and you know, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that necessarily, but I think we know what we're getting from LeBron and AD as long as they're healthy. LeBron last season was still an MVP candidate, if not the favorite. Uh, Anthony Davis did kind of have a down year by his standards, but I think you know he he was a guy who, who mentioned multiple times just the, the the toll of that short off season and him not having the, the the proper rest and just the proper warm up heading into the season, and then he had an injury plagued season. So it's kind of hard to use last year against AD, but I think those guys with four to five months off are both going to come in healthy and, and rested and ready for the season. The question mark for me is Russ. And I think Russ, there's no doubt about it. He's a bona fide superstar. He was you know, an all-NBA candidate this past season. You know, he's still an all-star guy. So I think he's, he's a third, you know, he's a legit third star. And I think you know, some people have, have kind of overcorrected in, in sort of criticizing him and taking that away from him. I think the one issue with Russ, and it, this to me is just going to be, can you know, LeBron and Frank Vogel figure this out, is – uh, you know, it, it's just he's not only a poor shooter, which has some limitations to just your your offense from the point guard spot, but he's a poor shooter who continues to take a high volume of shots. And I, I think the the one thing that you know we, we've seen from from some of the lower volume you know, poor shooters is okay, like a guy like Ben Simmons. There are some limitations, but Ben Simmons isn't going to go out and, and go 0 for seven from the three point line. And obviously, he has his own kind of things that he's dealing with. But I think. My one thing with Russ is, you know, is he willing to adapt his game in a way that we've maybe never seen before? Because even going back to like Houston, we saw they basically had to get rid of their center and use Russ in that role. And then they went up against the Lakers and the Lakers just ignored, you know, part of their game plan was we're going to ignore Russ and let him shoot as much as he wants. And we know he's going to continue to shoot. So that to me is the question of the season is just, you know, is Russ willing to adapt his game? Is he willing to take fewer threes? Is he willing to, maybe cut a little bit more and play off the ball around LeBron in a way we've never seen. Cause I think the, the one, my, my one knock on him isn't the shooting, but it's more so his refusal to adapt his game in other situations. You've really seen, I think going back to Houston and going back to Washington a little bit, the teams have to adapt to Russ and not the other way around. So I think for this to work the, the proper way, we have to see a level of buy-in and adaptation from Russ that we've really never seen from him. And, you know, he, he's kind of got that Mamba mentality and he's, he's got the why not mentality. And um, I think that's part of what makes him special. But I think you've also seen come playoff time, you know, his numbers are worse in, in the playoffs. He shoots worse uh, from the field. He shoots worse from, from three point. Um, you know, his, his just his number, he's had some struggles in recent years. And I think it's just been 
his refusal to adapt. So to me, I think if anyone can get him to adapt in a way that we haven't seen, it is LeBron James, right? Like we, we know LeBron is the most powerful figure in the NBA. And I think guys buy into him more so than any other star in the league. So that to me is the thing I'm most interested in. But I think Russ is going to help the team a lot in transition. I think he's going to help them uh, get, get into the paint a lot more, you know, uh, driving kick threes. And I also think, you know, we, we saw this last season a little bit where you know, this team, I think, had a championship hangover to some extent. Part of that was the offseason. But Russ, you know, th- that random night in OK, you know, I was going to say OKC, but maybe that's the wrong example. The random night in Memphis, uh, you know, Tuesday night, Russ is going to show up and he's going to get this team to show up. And I think they didn't necessarily have that guy all the time last year. And, and just that night-to-night energy, I think, is going to be really important. But to me, it's just how much is Russ willing to adapt, and, and that will determine kind of just the overall success of the season. Yovan, what do you think happens with Dennis Schroeder? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, what a mistake. You know, I, I think we, I think we talked about this uh, a couple months lie. ago. Kind of feel uh, bad yeah, for him. <laughs> You know, you, you and I were talking about his projected contract, and, and you're both kind of like, I think it's it's a little bit lower than what he's expecting, but not not to this extent. I mean, he might not even get the the taxpayer mid level at this point uh, with with kind of the way free agency is played out because he's just a guy who I think is going to expect to come in and start, and if not start, basically be your sixth man, and you you have to have you know those roles open in your rotation to to really fit this guy in, and I, I just think. He did himself no favors with, with the way he handled himself in L.A. with the first time talking to the media, coming out and saying, I'm the starting point guard when the team had not decided that yet. Also publicly talking about his contract all season and then kind of getting mad at the media towards the end of the year when we were asking him about it. Um, like, I, I don't think he, he did himself any favors. And then obviously sure. turning down that extension with the Lakers. Like, so, so I mean, I, I guess maybe some team comes in and, and either sign and trades for him uh, around the non-taxpayer mid-level of like nine, ten million, or maybe someone signs him to the taxpayer, but there's no cap space left. And you know, OKC or San Antonio has, has a little bit, but I don't see him fitting in in either of those situations. So I really don't know. I mean, I guess Boston has been the team that's been linked to him recently, uh, but you know, the, the finances there are a little tricky. So I really don't know. I mean, I think he'll he'll be in the league. I, I don't think it's it's as dire as he, he's out of the league necessarily, but. He's really put himself in a tough position where he's going to have to take a small one-year deal and then really rehab his value next year. Yovan, final one, and as always, appreciate it, buddy. I always appreciate you uh, taking some time to join the show. Um, Lakers obviously put their money towards Talon Horton Tucker. Alex Caruso ended up signing Mm -hmm. with the Chicago Bulls. What do you think of that decision? I think – I think uh, looking out long term, it's probably the right decision. Um, you know, they, they obviously could have kept both, uh, and, and you know, maybe maybe in that case, you sacrifice using your your taxpayer mid level uh, on Kendrick Nunn, or, or maybe signing Malik Monk just because there isn't that extra spot in the rotation. Um, you know, I mean, look, it, it's not my money, so it's easy for me to say spend the extra money, and I think ultimately the the luxury tax hit would have been close to forty million. So that is a, that is a sizable luxury tax. You're not just signing Alex Caruso at you know, 9.25 million, you're signing him at almost 40 million basically for next season mm-hmm. with the luxury tax hit. That being said, I think it, when you're, when you're looking at last season's roster to this season's roster and, and, and comparing the, the pros and cons of, of what the Lakers did, I think the one major con 
uh, compared to last season is the perimeter defense, particularly in the backcourt. Because last year, they had KCP, Alex Caruso, Dennis, and Wes Matthews. And all four of those guys were plus defenders uh, that could guard either guard spot. And I think going from that to Russ, Malik Monk, uh, Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn, you know, THT, and then maybe you want to throw in, uh, I don't know, Kent Bazemore, like, that is, a, that is a downgrade to me. You know, KCP and Alex Crusoe were getting all defense votes. Uh, Dennis, I thought, really impressed. Arguably was better defensively than offensively last season. Like, they had some real pit bulls back there defensively. So, to me, keeping Alex would have, would have balanced out the backcourt. I think most of their backcourt players are more offensive guys than defensive guys, and that's maybe, like, the one hole in the roster right now. Um, so, I think keeping Alex would have been great. We've seen he's been a closer for this team the past couple of years. Big part of that championship run, uh, you know, was starting in the finals, uh, you know, down the stretch. So I do think it, it could be a mistake to not keep him. But again, they they had to cut costs. They, they had to make some tough financial decisions, and they, they chose to not resign him. So um, you know, for for me, it wasn't going to be my forty million being spent. Uh, so I can sit here and say, yeah, they should have paid him. But um, I, I think Taylor has a bright future. He's twenty years old. I, I get why they picked him over Alex, but. The truth is they didn't have to pick Alex. You know, they didn't have to pick him over Alex. They could have kept Alex as well. It just would have been a massive hit. So that, that's the one thing I'm looking for is, like, I think looking at them filling out the roster, I think they need one more big just as insurance if Mark or Dwight goes down, both those guys are older, and then one more defensive guard or wing just in case some of these guys, you know, they, they need help defensively. That, that would be my two, my two holes to, to kind of fill. Yo, Vaughn, you're the man. Appreciate the time. Always fantastic insight. Look forward to doing this again soon as we get closer to our training camp. All right, buddy? Sounds good, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Right, that's uh, that's Jovan Buho right there. Um, by the way, also hosts the Forum Club podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. When we come back, I, you know, there's a reason why I kind of asked that question last for Jovan. Taylor Horton Tucker or Alex Caruso, the Lakers make the right decision. If you're going to pick between one of those two players, did they choose the right player in THT? Let's talk about that when we come back. If you want to be a part of Lakers Talk, 877-710-ESPN. This is uh, Alan Sliwa on ESPN LA. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh, thank you again to Jovan Buha. Now, we got, got a lot of good topics I want to get into off Jovan's call. Before I do so, let me uh, squeeze in a couple quick phone calls here. Big Rob, thank you for waiting to get on Lakers Talk. What's going on, Big Rob? All right, all right, all right. What's up, what's up? I just want to say three quick things right quick. First of all, this Lakers squad reminds me back in 2004 when they brought in all those old heads. Gary Payton and Carl Malone, they fell short at the finish line, all right? And the next thing, the point I want to make, y'all said the greatest Olympic player of all time is Carmelo Anthony. Oh, my God, is this the sports show I'm listening to? Michael Jordan is the greatest Olympic player that has ever stepped foot in the Olympics. And the next thing... The so, Big Rob, Big, big Rob, as, as we go, let, let's kind of work through some of your points here. So when you're saying greatest Olympic player, if we're talking about just a player that played, it's, of course, it's no question. Michael Jordan's, you know, I would say he's the greatest player of all time. I don't make the argument. 
I think what Funch was making is how many Olympics did you play in? What are your stats specifically in the Olympics? How many golds did you win? He's taking kind of an accumulation of all that, not one individual player. Keep going with your points. All right. All right. The next thing I want to say, the Lakers starting five this year is going to be LeBron James, Westbrook, A.D., Ben Gay, and Icy Hot. Because that's what they go need. A lot of Ben Gay and Icy Hot by the time the season ends. You guys have a good time. Big Rob. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling in. Sleewood, that might have been the best one I've heard. Okay. Here's my question. Was that when he was just driving in the car and said, I'm just going out the gate on this? Or did he plan this out like a day? I would need about a day and a half to plan out that type of uh, a starting line. Me too. That wasn't bad. I can't come up with that quick-witted. No, I cannot. Okay, so when I was making the case, Yovan was doing it too, that we're not as concerned about the age. Let's just say Big Rob, yeah, he's got some concerns with the Lakers' age. One thing Yovan said, he said, Russ will make or break the Lakers' season. Interesting. I don't know if I ever thought of it that way, and I know what he's saying. I understand what he's referring to. Russ has, you know, an an unbelievable season. He's fantastic. He averages a triple double or close to it. That's a you know a make it not break it type of season. But I kind of hesitate for a second because I was just making the argument that I thought Anthony Davis is the most important Laker this upcoming year. Then I put LeBron James. Then I put Russell Westbrook. So if he means make it or break it in the sense that Russ has an amazing season, watch out for the Lake Show. If he doesn't, then the Lakers got issues. He's struggling from the field. Teams are just playing off of him, which they're going to do anyways. He's not as explosive as he once was or whatever. You just kind of like add all these all these elements in there. But it's it's interesting to hear Jovan say it that way. Russ will make or break the Lakers season. I don't I don't put it that much on Russ. I, I do genuinely believe LeBron and Anthony Davis, AD being the first one, that's really – AD has a great season. He plays 70-plus games, and he's healthy for the playoffs with LeBron James. I think that's really kind of the make or break there. Okay, um, one other thing I want to get into here. So, Talon Hor- Horn Tucker, Alex Caruso. Taylor Tucker obviously re-signed with the Lakers three years, $32 million, was a restricted free agent, only 28 years, only 20 years old. Alex Caruso, fan favorite, of course, played in the Summer League, the D-League, G-League team for the Lakers, worked his way from a two-way player, ended up signing a four-year deal, $37 million contract with the Chicago Bulls. It was reported that the Lakers offered him three years. I don't know what the dollars were there. I know Ramona was reporting this, but I thought it was about $7 million a year, something along those lines. Um, so I, I was kind of trying to think here. Okay, if you can only offer one of those two players on this Lakers team, you only get one of those two guys, which one are you taking? Kind of an interesting conversation, Funches. You know, I, I put up a poll. This was before NBA free agency started saying you got to pick one between Taylor Horn, Tucker, and Alex Caruso. It was, I mean, razor thin. I'm saying 52 and 48%. I think THT took 52% of the vote. This was before anything happened. Before Taylor Horn Tucker got his contract, before Alex Caruso signed with the Chicago Bulls, so I, I kind of sit back and I this was the point that I was trying to make. If you had to make a decision for one of those players for one year, I take Alex Caruso. If you had to make a decision long term, I take Taylor Horn Tucker. I do think THT. You know, this is obvious. I don't have to sit here and explain it to Laker fans. Obviously, he has much more upside. He can find himself in this league for 10, 12 years 
and you know become an all-star. That's his upside that he has. I think Alex Caruso, you kind of know what you're getting, right? He's going to be a tough, gritty player. He's going to stick his chin everywhere he possibly can. He's going to die for loose balls. He's going to play good defense. He'll have a couple highlight dunks. He's a guy that you want on your championship roster. But long-term, the upside is THT, and I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, you know, one of the things that Funches and I are going to do in the next segment, we're going to talk about the um, winners and losers of free agency, the teams that we thought won the most, and the Bulls is going to be one of my arguments there. Uh, so I, I think the THT Alex Caruso is kind of a fascinating subject, but do I think the Lakers made the right move long-term? I don't think you can argue with THT long-term. You just can't. But just for this upcoming season, you know, Jovan was pointing out one of the things the Lakers really lost. They lost perimeter defense. KCP, Alex Caruso were your anchors on the defensive side. Okay, so I also want to point this out. Best players still available in NBA free agency. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure what the Lakers are going to do. You know, obviously, uh, uh, with their remaining roster spots, maybe they'll use a guy like Wesley Matthews. Maybe they'll keep Jared Dudley, something along those lines. But here are a couple players I'm just going to point out that are still available. Avery Bradley, obviously a former Los Angeles Laker. J.J. Redick is still out there. Uh, Some other notable names. What else did I see? I saw Dante Exum, Dennis Smith Jr., Paul Millsap, so still some names out there. We'll see what the Lakers end up doing. Okay, when we come back, uh, we're going to take some more of your phone calls. 877-710-ESPN, plus Funches and I will go through some of the winners and losers of this NBA free agency so far. Stay right here. Lakers talk on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, if you want to be a part of Lakers Talk, 877-710-ESPN. Solomon in Lake Balboa. Solomon, thank you for calling in, buddy. What's going on? Hey, Alan, I'm good. I I forgot the gentleman that just called in. I Just real quick about the Lakers failing when they had Malone. He was That was uh, Big Rob. Big Rob uh, was calling in there. Big Rob, they fell short because Malone was hurt. Period. The man was 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 on one leg for those for that uh, championship series, and that's what that's what killed the Lakers. But not to dwell on that, you were asking the question about THT, you know, versus Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. Look, it it's a tough one, but if you could only keep one or the other, I think you did good keeping one or the other. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, THT's got a lot of upside at, at 20 years old. I think we have not seen the best of this kid. Uh, your screener was pointing out that Alex is still young and he could improve as well. I kind of think Alex has sort of reached his, his max. What you see is what you get, which is excellent. So if you wanted to say one possibly had more upside than the other, um, that would be uh, THT. And also I was just thinking about Millsap. If possible, the Lakers can get a big like that. That would really help because they got rid of, you know, um, the season before both um, JaVale McGee and White Howard. And they've only replaced one of them so far. So if they can get a big like Millsap, I think that would be good. I'd love Avery Bradley, but they're kind of guard heavy now. 
So, you know, they can't – I love Avery Bradley, but I think he'd be, you know, excess at the guard position. Solomon, appreciate you calling in, bud. Millsap, interesting. That's interesting. You know, he, he's 36 years old, by the way, so, you know, we're going to get – imagine what uh, Twitter and everybody else would say. Lakers got another 36-year-old. But the thing I like, Funch, about Paul Millsap, you know, I, if there's going to be times AD is going to play the five or – I don't want to see LeBron play the four. Let's put it that way. So I like LeBron playing the three. So if you had a guy like Millsap, Millsap can go guard a center or do whatever it is, but he could still be a threat to hit a jumper or, or something. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Alan, the best thing about Millsap is that he can step out and hit the three. Yeah, he's and and guys obviously been in the league for a long time. Um, he's a uh, he's a different version. Marcus All can hit a three, but you know obviously Dwight Howard's not going to be one of those bigs that can uh, that can hit a three. Um, okay, so we've pretty much hit. And this is one of the things I like doing when we do Lakers talk. We get a chance to hit on all these topics. And, and so far, we got a chance to talk about the Lakers, the age on the roster. And I know this is something that's going to be brought up. It's going to continue to be brought up. And I always kind of – I always say that just don't forget the play, your main pieces. Where are they in their careers? How were they doing last year? And what's their age? The main pieces this season is not going to be Carmelo. It's not going to be Dwight. It's not going to be Trevor Reza. It's not going to be Marcus Gasol. So it's it's other guys that are obviously going to be more critical. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the thing to watch most. For the Lakers, yes, the average age is high. But the guys that they're actually going to be using on a night-in, night-out basis, uh, you're not going to be depending on uh, those players that are older. Okay, Funch, let's do this real quick. So we got a chance now, one full week in NBA free agency. And we kind of got a chance to see a, a lot of different teams make some moves. And I want to kind of go over some of the winners, the losers, the surprise signings, the underrated signings, all that stuff. So let's start off with this. When I say who do you think was the biggest winner in free agency, what team comes to mind? Oh, man. Uh, it's gotta I, got be, one that, I got one that comes to mind right out got, of the gate. I, it's got to be between the Lakers and the Heat, I think. Okay, let me throw one out uh, your way here. Okay. I think Chicago made some nice uh, see, moves. I don't know. I don't know. I think they might be. What, what don't you like? Talk see, to I, I just I just think that they got too much in the backcourt now. It's they just got me, too, you, and all of L.A. Just talk to They me. just got too much in the backcourt now. They got four guys that can play at least 30 minutes that you know need at least 30 minutes, Alan. They have uh, Lonzo well, Ball. DeMar, they, DeMar, DeMar can play the three for you. DeMar DeRozan that's, can that's play the true. three That's true. That's very you. true. He can play okay. the three. And I think that's what they will do. I think they'll put Levine at the two. Mm-hmm. I think they'll put uh, Demar at the three, and I think they'll put Lonzo at the one. Yeah. Then you got Alex Caruso coming off the bench. You grabbed, um, you grabbed what's his name from Orlando, uh, uh, Vucevic. Vucevic, right? yeah. Vucevic. But also, you like grabbed, Chicago, also has Kobe White, who was a first come round off the bench, a, a first round pick. He averaged 15 points last season. Come on, man, that's that's not chopped liver. Sounds good, but when you're paying Lonzo 85 million, Lonzo's going to be starting. So. I actually think, and okay, you make the case Miami. This, this is what Miami did. They got Kyle Lowry. They signed P.J. Tucker, which I thought was a, a, a very, very underrated, underrated signing. Very okay. underrated. Uh, what else they do? Who else did they grab? Uh, I know Duncan re-signed, Robinson. Resigned Duncan Robinson. A bunch of money, too. But they got Kyle Lowry, one of the kind of offseason, um, you know, to pair that up with Bam Adebayo. Also, and, they uh, uh, re-signed uh, Victor Oldipo. That's who's, right. They got who's injured, but he's going to come back injured, next season. Let him come back. You know what, Miami, and if you can if, definitely make And if make he's your sixth man or seventh man, you have a really, really good team. Okay, so I think we both agree that Chicago, uh, I, I think Chicago, you obviously make a case 
that those are the biggest winners in free agency. Put Lakers to the side only because we we've already talked Lakers for one hour and fifty <laughs> Of course. Okay? okay. So how about losers? What Ugh. teams kind of did you walk away thinking were going to make some noise and did nothing? The Celtics or didn't do enough. The Celtics didn't do anything. They they lost Kemba Walker and they didn't replace him. I don't know what they're going to do. They could look to Dennis Schroeder maybe, but they didn't do anything. Okay, so let me throw out another losing team. Pelicans. Didn't it yeah. feel like they were weren't they trying to make room for Kyle Lowry dude, and you dude, thought they were going to, you know. They um they tried to get Kyle Lowry. Uh he can turned you, down money from them. Can you do me a favor them. here? Can you do me a favor real What's quick as we sit here at 853? Throw some music on in the background. Uh, listen, I know there you're you a, man a little dried. Of many jams. <laughs> uh just some music on in the background. So I, I thought the Pelicans mm-hmm. We're going to do more. They didn't really do much, and it looks like they were trying to make a case for Kyle Lowry, and that never happened. Kyle Lowry went to the Miami Heat, and they lost Lonzo Ball. And also, the Pelicans also were rumored to talk to Chris Paul before he resigned with the the Suns, and they offered him like 30-plus per year, and he said no. So I'm not sure what this is going to kind of do for Ingram, what Uh it's going to do for Zion, but you you, you thought there would be more of a move. It was promoted as if there was going to be more move if there wasn't. And I got a couple more losers too, the Mavericks. They, I know they re-signed Luca for two hundred million a day, but they didn't do anything to surround him. Yeah, <laughs> they they yeah. re-signed Tim Tim Hardaway Jr. and they also I think they picked up Reggie Bullock, and that was the only two big acquisitions they had. It's not going to get it done. You know what that is? That's another first round exit. It's another first. I don't round even. Exit. I don't even know that's a, a first round exit. It, it might be a no round exit. They might not even make the playoffs. <laughs> well, that would be obviously uh, that'd be awful for them. Um, most underrated signing. In NBA free agency this offseason, I got a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I thought Patty Mills to the Nets is a very quiet, fantastic signing by the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kemba to the Knicks again, <sighs> kind of came out of nowhere. They didn't really give up anything. I, for I know, him. yeah, I know. But- if they were if they were missing something last season, they they didn't they couldn't score. So now you got Kemba, you got Evan Fournier. They got they were able to address some scoring uh, woes that they. Well, had. I just didn't I didn't like everything the Knicks did because they basically brought back the same team, and I don't think the same team is going to have make that much noise in the East. So, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker are the additions they made. That can be a second it's round right. knockout. I'm told, yeah, I don't know about you, a second get round. You out of the second round. Man, if you're if that's not a second get you round out knockout. of the second round, I'm saying you win one round I, I, and you lose in the second. Like round. I was saying, if there, if that's your second round knockout, the East is bad. Um, but I'll say this: uh, my under the radar move was Otto Porter going to the Warriors for the minimum. That's a good. That that's <laughs> I, I can't argue that. He's 25 years old. That. I mean, he's been injured. It's a, a great risk. Great. He's risk been injured the past couple of seasons, but when he plays, he's a really good defender. He's long and lengthy. He can hit the three. And that's all you need in, in Golden State. Okay, we mentioned P.J. Tucker to the Miami Heat, underrated. Another underrated player that gets no love at all, and I hate to say this because he plays for the Clippers, but Toom's a nice player. Just a yeah. nice overall player. Mm-hmm. Love the way he played in the playoffs for the Clippers, so he quietly signed another two-year deal with the Clippers. And not even that, like he played well in the Olympics too. He, mm-hmm. he led the uh, the French to the uh, the gold, uh, silver, I should say. Okay, so most disappointing uh, signing. What what comes to mind? You have one? Uh, um, I think I. Have I, one. I think it's Demar Derozan, man. I think he should have went somewhere else. I don't think he. I mean, you don't like should, him in Chicago. I don't like him in Chicago because you know he's not going to win a championship. He's not chasing the championship there, man. And I don't think they're. Well, he got his money. Maybe he gets traded in a year and ends up on a championship roster. 
I do love that just a couple weeks ago we were like, hey, DeMar's going to take less money. He's going to come play for the Lakers for the mid-level exception. It's like, no, he's going to make money and go play for a team. He's doing like what every, every NBA, NBA player, player does. does. As they should. <laughs> exactly. Like, Same I, time. I'm, not, I, I'm not hating on that. Um, Caruso going to the Bulls was disappointing because I love Caruso. That's it. No other no other reason for that. All right. that's uh, We're coming up to a wrap of the show here. Um, okay, so ESPN app or on iTunes – you can catch Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa, so you can download the full two hours. Uh, fantastic conversation with Johan Buha, covers the Lakers for The Athletic. Um, tomorrow's going to be an interesting day. First of all, starting at 8.55 tomorrow morning, Clinton and I will do our show, uh, Travis Rogers, uh, on vacation. So it will be the uh, Travis and Sliwa show, Clinton Yates filling in. So that's going to start at 8.55, number one. Number two, also, Russell Westbrook will have his – press conference tomorrow. So that's going to be happening tomorrow at Staples Center. I'm excited to be there. We'll be there at Staples to kind of uh, take that all in. You can follow me on Twitter at Alan Sliwa, and I'll put up any good quotes or any good videos that we get. I'm going to put it up there. So as always, Laker fans, download Lakers Talk on the ESPN app or on iTunes. Appreciate everybody being a part of the show. LA, have a great rest of your night.